You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. My co-host and fellow agitator is Adam Keller. He is out of commission tonight, though. He's been having some car trouble, so wish him well, everybody. Uh, We are broadcasting live, online and on the radio, from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studios in Huntsville, Alabama, And today we are talking about the latest chapter in the Great Resignation. We are talking about strategies to make your life better. We are talking about Amazon's horrible safety record and uh, what everybody is most excited about. We are talking to Maggie Carter. She is a barista at a Knoxville Starbucks location that is the first southern starbucks location to join the unionization wave with starbucks workers united but that interview is going to be at the end of the show so you gotta you gotta bear with me okay you gotta listen to me for a little bit see and then you'll be able to listen to maggie okay see what i did i baited y'all y'all came and baited you with a fantastic interview but you gotta you gotta be patient okay that's how these things work so You're going to hear that and more on today's program. Um, If you want to be part of the program today, we've got a phone number. You can call or text at 844-899-TVLR. You can call or text the show at 844-899-8857. And you can leave a voicemail throughout the week, anytime you want. If you listen to us mostly as a podcast at 2 in the morning while you're doing, I don't know, playing Smash Brothers in your living room, then you can call and leave us a message. Tell us what you think, and we'll play it on the show, maybe, if it's good. Or if it's really bad. If it's really bad, we'll play it on the show, because that's funny. So, you know, leave us a voicemail. Text us. Call us. Uh, If you haven't gotten enough of us by the time that we rap on the radio or online... Uh, or if you just want to see what we are up to throughout the week, you can find us all over the place online. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, wherever you find your podcasts, we are on YouTube. All you got to do is search for The Valley Labor Report. And just as a final reminder, your support and the support of our sponsors keeps us on the radio. If you want to become a sustaining member of the program, or make a one-time donation to our fundraiser, you can go to unionly.io slash o slash tvlr. That is unionly.io slash o slash tvlr. I believe that's in our uh, description of our YouTube 
uh, 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 video, and you can go there, make a one-time donation, become a a sustaining member, and that is really a big part of how we're able to stay on the radio. Uh, Believe it or not, we have several sponsors, but our largest single source of revenue is our listeners. The largest single source of revenue that we get comes directly from the people that listen to this show. So, uh, uh, you know, support the show if you can. It's, you know, I think it's good. I think we do good work. Um, Or if you're a member of a union, you should get your local or your international or your district or your labor council, whatever. Uh, You should get your labor organization to sponsor the show. Um, That's something, you know, we've got lots of union sponsors. That definitely helps as well. You can reach out to the page for more information on that. Uh, So our first story tonight, we're going to be talking about the Great Resignation. And that is a subject about which many an article, uh, much ink has been spilled. And uh, another in the saga was written uncommonly last week by the resignee herself. Uh, Robin Hammontree is a graphic designer, and she was formerly a senior instructional designer at the University of Alabama. She said that she asked her HR rep if she could work remotely for a few weeks, and uh, for a few weeks, as she did for nearly all of 2020, so that she didn't bring COVID home and kill her father, who has a rare form of leukemia. And this is like a super reasonable request, right? She said that she asked to work remotely for a few weeks. I mean, we all see what's happening around us right now. I mean, the the surge with Omicron is insane. We are seeing more tests, more positive tests daily than we ever have since the beginning of the pandemic, there's a bit of a silver lining in that maybe, hopefully, we'll see as we get a, a bit further out because, of course, deaths and hospitalizations are a lagging indicator. But by all accounts, it seems that Omicron is is more mild than Delta. Uh, so, you know, the, uh, but... The positive tests that are coming back are just insane. And so it is not unreasonable at all to want to wait out this wave at home, especially in an environment where you can do that. Like if you have a job that can be done from home and you want to work from home while uh, we see more COVID cases than we ever have through the entirety of the pandemic, then you should be able to do that. It's like, that's not crazy. That's super, super reasonable. And uh, they said no. They said no, in short. They did this also, in addition to saying no, uh, to rub salt in the wounds, they did it a full week after her initial request and at 4.30 p.m. on the last day before the break so that she couldn't reply until she was supposed to be in the office in the new year. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, ho- holy crap. You know, that such passive-aggressive... Um, you know, I mean, why would you not give her a chance to respond to what you're saying? And so... They in, so- they, in short, said no, and she, in short, quit. 
and kudos to her. You know, I know that that took a lot of courage. Um, in her opinion piece in AL.com, it was titled Quitting Job at UA, a difficult choice with no option to work from home. She mentions that workers, especially women, have had to make these sorts of impossible decisions long before the pandemic, uh, having to balance being a caretaker and a career. And, you know, for in her specific instance, her and her husband are the caretakers for her father, who has this, you know, rare form of leukemia that makes him particularly susceptible to the coronavirus um, because he is immunocompromised, right? So this is, uh, uh, you know, she is her father's caretaker, and having to choose between that and putting herself at risk of catching the coronavirus and bringing it to her home where her father lives is that's an impossible choice and women throughout the ages have had to make impossible choices similar to this am i going to be able to have a job put food on the table or am i going to have to stay home because we can't afford childcare or because uh, my because my parents are elderly and they need somebody to look after them twenty four seven and so I can't I can't work and I can't afford to put them in a home I can't afford a uh, a, a resident nurse a home nurse aide you know all of these things these impossible decisions that women have to make especially men too but women especially have to make between caretaking and a career and she closes by saying that it does not have to be this way. It does not have to be this way for the thousands of families in the same position that she is in. We can and we should do better. We shouldn't just applaud people for putting their families first, which we should applaud people for putting their families first. That's, you know, hooray, that's good. But we should build workplaces that allow them to do so without, you know, there there are all these, these like she says, impossible choices between you know, putting your family first and your job. And that's just like, that shouldn't be a choice that you have to make, especially where it's not super like, you know, she's not fabricating something, right? I mean, she's like a, uh, she's like a knowledge employee. She doesn't have to be there. If she were like an iron worker or something and she had to, you know, of course, like if you're an iron worker, you like physically have to be there to make the product. Your job is to make a product. That's different. But, uh, you know, where you don't have to, you shouldn't have to if, if it's going to put your life in danger. And uh, so we should build workplaces that allow them to do so. And I couldn't agree more. And policies like this, um, not allowing workers to work from home where it's possible to work from home, they serve no purpose in the operation of a business. And in fact, they can be directly harmful. Um, they can have a harmful effect on the productivity of a business. But despite that, bosses in all sorts of workplaces have these policies. I, t I was talking to Maggie yesterday about, uh, about a policy that <laughs> uh, uh, the barista that we'll be talking to shortly about a policy that they instituted at their uh, um, at their Starbucks location that there was like there was no rational productivity or any sort of justification for. What was the justification for it? Why did they do it? Why to discipline 
their workers, to make them stay in line, to make sure that they don't get any pesky ideas about them having good suggestions, about them being valuable, or being able to run things themselves. Because those are dangerous ideas. Those are dangerous ideas. And our workplaces absolutely don't have to be this way. That's the way that they are. You know, there there are uh, 6% of workers in the private sector are union. Something like 15%, 20% are union in the public sector. So for, you know, 90% of workers in America, this is the way that their workplaces are run. Their workplaces are run uh, by the boss with no input from the employee. But our workplaces absolutely don't have to be this way. They don't have to be run by the boss and the boss alone, and we should, and we can make them better. And we can do that by unionizing. It's difficult, but it's essential. Um, And we can't rely on anybody but ourselves. The politicians, they certainly haven't been there for us. And, um, you know, so let's say, you know, I'm hearing you in my head, skeptical listener. You're saying, Jake, you're a union talk radio host. You're a union member. You're a union partisan. You always think unions are the answer. And to that I say, yes. (laughs) But I have reasons. I always have reasons. I don't ever not give a reason for thinking that unions are the answer when they are. So I'm going to do the same here. Why would would having a union in your workplace alleviate this issue that workers like Robin Hammontree are having all across the country? Why would having a union in your workplace alleviate this issue? Why would it make you better able to fight it? I'll tell you. In a union workplace where you've got a contract, a contract that you and your coworkers, your sisters and brothers on the job, have drafted, have negotiated with the boss, that you have voted on to accept, that you enforce through workplace actions and making sure that the boss abides by the term of the contract in a workplace like that changes in your working conditions changes in your contract language are all mandatory subjects of bargaining what does that mean mandatory subjects of bargaining that sounds like lingo it means that they've got to consult you they can't just do something because they feel like it. They don't have total, unilateral, dictatorial, tyrannical control over the workplace. Where you have a union contract, you have rights. You have some amount of control over what happens. Does that mean that they are always going to accept everything that you say? No. Uh, uh, does that mean that you're not going to have to fight when you bargain over these mandatory subjects of bargaining? No, of course not. You're going to have to fight. But it means that your boss cannot unilaterally, without negotiation, implement policies like return to work or anything else for that matter. So if this situation had played out in a union environment, you would have seen the employer and the union and the workers 
negotiating over the terms of the return to work. She could have made her accommodation request known to the bargaining committee, which would be elected from the rank and file of her bargaining unit. Hell, she could have even been on the bargaining committee, right? The employer would have had to consider this request not as a request from a single worker that can be approved or denied with basically no ramifications, that uh, is a request from one worker out of hundreds that doesn't really matter. They have to consider this request as part of broader negotiations between them, between management, and the entire workforce. You've got the whole workforce backing you up in these negotiations. So that's, that is why, uh, that's why having a union in your workplace is going to be benef- is beneficial. You are actually get, you actually write the policies that you work under. And, I, and that's so important. And so uh, and I, you know, I think that any, anybody listening can understand that, right? That, that it, it makes sense. It, uh, uh, and it's good. Like people have, Alabamians, Southerners, you know, <laughs> like we like to consider ourselves rebels or something, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> with the Confederate flag. That's not rebellion. That's not the uh, <laughs> how you're actually going. But 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 people have, I believe, across the country and in the South in particular, we have a democratic impulse. We believe that we know how to run our lives and that extends to the workplace. And so that's why having a union in your workplace is 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 good. And and uh, being a part of that collective organization will help improve your working conditions, and it will make you better able to fight these fights as they happen. And it will uh, make you better able to make sure that your workplace is not one where women have to make these impossible choices. How do we get there? You have to organize. And I know it's tough. And there are some people out there like her that, you know, like maybe it just literally isn't an option, you know, and that and and if it's not safe, then I'm not telling you, of course, to stay at your job at the risk of your life or your family's life to organize a union. You know, I'm not telling you to do that. But if it is safe, then you will be far more likely to make your life better organizing at your current workplace, making it more democratic writing the rules yourself, then you are going to be quitting your job where your boss is a tyrannical dictator and then looking for a job where maybe you can find a a benevolent dictator. I mean, if you can even find such a place, right? Uh, But even if you find such a place, then the same problems can arise because the nature of a dictator is not determined by the adjective that you put in front of it. Like, it's illegitimate that they're a dictator. Whether they're benevolent or tyrannical is almost immaterial. I mean, of course, a benevolent dictator is going to be better than a tyrannical dictator, but they don't have a right to be your dictator. And so you're going to have a better time where you can enforce some democratic say over your working conditions than quitting your job and looking for that, you know, uh, 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 diamond in the rough, that benevolent dictator. Because we shouldn't have dictators. We shouldn't have dictators. And so join a union. Find a union. Organize. 
get the boss off your back. Uh, so, um, I, uh, uh, <laughs> our, our, um, Oh yeah! Before we go to our next story, we're gonna go ahead and take a uh, take a break. Uh, our next story we're gonna be talking about it's it, it's just it's it's really quick. It's not gonna take long. Um, there is some words of wisdom from an anonymous member of the United Auto Workers from 1937 that I want to share with y'all. Uh, really excited about that. It's really cool. You're gonna like it, and it, it ties into all this stuff about dictators. Dictators are bad, and this is gonna t- kind of this is gonna kind of elaborate that point. So let's go ahead and go to a break, and we will be right back you're listening to the valley labor report with jacob morrison support for this program also comes from the iron workers local 477 so if you are looking for contractors with lower than average emr and trir uh they tell me that if you need to know what those mean then you will uh, or if you need to supplement a workforce at any level for any amount of time short or long term if you need iron workers that come trained and certified at no extra cost or if you need workers from superintendent down to general laborer and you're looking to start work on a project or you're unhappy with your current contractor situation, you need to call my friend Jeb Miles with the Ironworkers Local 477. They only work with the best in the business, vetted contractors, and can do all kinds of jobs from roofing to steel and bridge erection, from welding to heavy rigging, from structural repairs to machinery alignment, and much more. They supply manpower on four of the five largest projects in North Alabama, so you know they're legit. If you need good quality, safe, efficient, diligent, and knowledgeable workers on your job, then you need the Iron Workers Local 477. Call Jeb Miles at 256-383-3334 or via email at local477 at bellsouth.net and make sure you tell them that you heard about them on the Valley Labor Report. Work sucks, we know. But you can make it better by organizing with your fellow workers. For more information, call or text the Huntsville Industrial Workers of the World at 256-651-6707. Support for the Valley Labor Report comes from the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers Union. Learn more by visiting www.ifpte.org. Support for this program comes from the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 136, out of Central Alabama. Learn more at IBEW136.org. The attorneys of Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs are proud to represent working people in Alabama and across the Southeast. They have over 100 years of experience representing injured workers in workers' compensation, personal injury, and disability claims. Let their attorneys help you when you get injured on the job. You can find them at www.mtandj.com or 855-617-9333. Let Maples, Tucker, and Jacobs help you when you get injured on the job. Again, the website is www.mtandj.com or the phone number 855-617-9333. No representation is made that the quality of legal services is greater than the quality of legal services from other law firms. There's a lot of talk about a shortage of workers, but that's not the case with IBW558. We have provided our customers over 3,000 workers and performed over 3 million man hours in a pandemic year. 
With 8,000 OJT hours, 900 classroom hours, OSHA 30, and a state license, our members receive the equivalent of a master's degree. That's what makes IBW558 the right choice for your electrical needs. Look us up at Facebook or at IBW558.org. North Alabama DSA is looking for folks to work for a better North Alabama. They prioritize mutual aid, municipal activism, and union solidarity. Contact them on social media or DSANorthAlabama at Gmail for more information. IBW558 is like a great football team. You've got to have the aptitude, skills, and knowledge to outperform the competition. If you're a non-union electrician, now is the perfect time to get off the sideline and join our team. We have the absolute best wages and benefit package in North Alabama and Southern Tennessee. It's because our team stands together, bargains together, and our families benefit from it. With immediate openings, you have the opportunity to see why the IBW is the right choice. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report. All right, folks, we are back. You are listening to the Valley Labor Report, Alabama's only union talk radio show. My name is Jacob Morrison. Uh, Adam Keller is out of pocket tonight. He is my uh, normal co-host and fellow agitator. Um, Ben Job is one of the owners of Spice Radio. He is, as he usually is helping us on the board tonight and uh, taking the place of Adam uh, uh, at the producer desk. So we appreciate that, Ben. And in um, in the in the YouTube chat, he mentioned how much money could businesses save closing offices and firing all the useless middle management with remote work. Probably, probably more than they would like to admit is, is, is what I would say. Um, and David, uh, the president of a local machinist union, asked how much could workers make if they fired all the bosses and ran the businesses democratically? I would say a lot more than they are making now. So, um, with that, that's a good reminder that labor creates all wealth. And that's what we're going to talk about here with this with this message this words of wisdom from an anonymous member of the United Auto Workers in 1937. There's a short story from uh, uh, from a book. I found it on Twitter. Um, I can link in the in the show notes um, when the podcast comes out the tweet that I found it from. But it, it, it's a picture from a book, and uh, there's this little short story. And I'll, I'll go ahead and read it to you. It's a conversation between. Uh, this bystander and a boss and a manager. Okay, so the bystander asks, what did you tell that man just now? The boss says, I told him to hurry. Well, what right do you have to tell this person to hurry? The boss says, I pay him to hurry, right? I pay him, that's, that's my right. The bystander asks, how much do you pay him? And the boss says, $4 a day. That's Maybe that's not bad in 1937. I don't know. The bystander asked, where do you get the money? The boss says that I sell the products. Then the question arises, who makes the products? The boss says he does. And he points to the worker. How many products does he make in a day? The bystander asked. The boss says $10 worth. So this uh, uh, observant bystander points out that instead of you paying him 
He pays you $6 a day to stand around and tell him to hurry because he's making $10 a product and he's only taking home $4 a day. So that means the worker is paying you $6 a day to stand around and yell at him. The boss says, oh, but I own the machines. And the bystander says, how did you get the machines? The boss says, I sold products and bought them. And the bystander said, who made the products? The last line of the short story is, shut up, he might hear you. So I hope that, I hope that all of you hear that. I hope you hear that message because, because that's true. All wealth comes from labor. No wealth comes from property, from capital, from bosses. It comes from labor. And that is where our power comes from. We make the world run, so we ought to run the world. And the first step in workers running the world is organizing on the job where they're at, making their workplaces a little bit more democratic before we can take over the world in totality. So I liked that. I liked that. That was a that was a really good uh, uh I'm not sure what the book is from, but but I'll probably have to find that book because if if there's anything else in there like that, then it is a book that I would enjoy. Um <laughs> so you are listening to the Valley Labor Report. If you're listening to us on the radio, you're listening to us on WZZA, WZZA in Tuscumbia, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. We appreciate you listening to the program in Tuscumbia, Muscle Shoals, Alabama on WZZA, the soul of the shoals. And I appreciate you listening if you're watching us on Facebook as well. Uh, and so now we're going to go to my favorite segment every week, uh, Last Week in Southern Labor. In this segment, we talk about what happened. It's I'm not a very creative person, okay? It's what happened in the last week in Southern Labor, all right? I'm not... I'm not a very creative person. This is the name that we gave it. Uh, Jonah Furman has a newsletter, Who Gets the Bird? You can read his newsletter, Who Gets the Bird, at whogetsthebird.substack.com. In his newsletter, he combs through NLRB filings. He keeps an eye on the news, and he talks about everything that happened last week in the entirety of the United States in the labor movement. And so what we do with his permission, with his cooperation, we go through his newsletter and we take out the things that happened in the South and we relay them to you here in our segment last week in Southern Labor. So in new organizing, we had 140 sanitation workers for Republic in Winder, Georgia. They're organizing with the Teamsters Local 728 in the biggest election filing in Georgia in over two years. I'm going to have to talk to them. i got to get in touch with them. I've, I've uh, recently made some contacts with some Teamsters, and uh, you can bet that I'm going to be trying to talk to some of them folks because that is exciting. 28 Starbucks workers in Knoxville, Tennessee, who we're going to be talking to later tonight, they're joining the organizing wave that we've seen at the Coffee Giant again with Workers United. The NLRB has impounded the ballots in the decertification vote against Steelworkers Local 13243 at ExxonMobil in Beaumont, Texas. Um, the board is currently considering unfair labor charges against uh, that the union brought against the company 
As readers of the newsletter and listeners to this segment will recall, some 600 refinery workers authorized a strike in March, and the company responded by locking out the workers on May the 1st. Since then, there have been intermittent bargaining over the proposed changes to seniority, among other issues, but not much movement has happened. And as the company has openly supported, and uh, the company has openly supported the decertification effort. The anti-union push among refinery employers has been out in the open since the spring, as Reuters reported, but no fight has been as large or as public as the lockout in Beaumont, Texas. So we're keeping a close eye on that. Solidarity with our sisters and brothers and steelworkers, Local 13243. Let's hope that they prevail and the decertification vote by the scabs does not go through. Um, In strikes and bargaining... Bernie Sanders has weighed in on the special metal strike in Huntington, West Virginia, where 450 steelworkers, local 450, or uh, 450 steelworkers, local 40, members have been on strike for months now. Special Metals is owned by a subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway, which is owned by Warren Buffett. Sanders wrote him a letter asking him to intervene to put an end to the strike and Buffett says he will not step in. A boss is a boss is a boss. Negotiations at the Lexington, Kentucky jail have broken down with FOP Lodge 83, and the jail officers are now seeking intervention from the state. And finally, in strikes and bargaining, Tulsa, Oklahoma firefighters are getting a 4 to 12% raise after going uh, to arbitration and losing. So we'll see. Uh, that doesn't sound bad, but it says that they went to arbitration and they lost. So I'm not, I can't remember the context there, but, you know, that's not too bad. In politics, we recall that the CDC openly embraced the push to have quarantine time for asymptomatic COVID cases to five days as opposed to 10. AFA CWA's the Flight Attendants Union President Sarah Nelson and the National Nurses United vocally called them out for this because that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> like you can still spread COVID when you're asymptomatic. Um, so why would you not be quarantining for the whole ten days or until you're unsympto- or, or or until you are not contagious? That's crazy. But not to be outdone by the CDC, OSHA has actually rescinded its emergency temporary standard for healthcare workers' protections against COVID-19. During the largest surge in cases that we have seen since the pandemic, of all the times to rescind the emergency temporary standard for healthcare workers, you're doing it now? That's crazy. This is the Biden administration. I mean, good grief. This is what he ran on. He ran on this nonsense about restoring the, you know, restoring the soul of the country or whatever the hell, and also being better on COVID than Trump was. And now his CDC is having the quarantine time, and his OSHA is rescinding emergency standards for protections against COVID for healthcare workers. This it's just It is absurd. Speaking of OSHA, the Department of Labor has announced an audit of OSHA since 2016. Specifically, 
in whether and how aggressively the agency has addressed injuries and COVID safety pro- protocols at warehouse and order fulfillment facilities of online and other retail uh, and other retailers. Obviously, that's targeting Amazon, right? And Amazon, as we've seen from multiple reports, has insane, insane, absolutely insane injury rates. They have nationwide. They have an injury rate of like two times what uh, what the national average for other warehouses is. And at a JFK at the JFK facility in New York, a study out, a study that came out in 2019 based on 2018 OSHA data showed that that facility had three times the national average for other warehouses and was more dangerous. Then get this. I got I have uh uh let's see, where did I put that quote? It is more dangerous at that Amazon facility than coal mining and law enforcement. Holy crap. So yeah, absolutely OSHA should be uh the Department of Labor should be auditing OSHA, uh their their uh uh agency's response to uh, the injuries and safety protocols at, uh, you know, <laughs> fulfillment facilities at Amazon. And finally, uh, the Department of Labor has officially rescinded a rule put in place under the Trump administration in 2020 that required more reporting and transparency for union-run funds, including strike funds, apprenticeship programs, credit unions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that is what happened last week in Southern Labor. And finally, for our uh, final segment, the moment you've all been waiting for, we're going to be talking to Maggie Carter. Maggie Carter is a barista at a Knoxville Starbucks at the Knoxville Starbucks location that is unionizing the Starbucks location that is unionizing with Starbucks Workers United, the latest in a wave of Starbucks unions to or uh, of Starbucks workers to file for union elections across the United States. I mean, at this point, we literally have, like I mentioned in the last show, we literally have Starbucks unions elect- union elections happening from sea to shining sea, from New York to Washington, from Colorado to Tennessee. It is beautiful. I love to see it. Um, and so I am, I'm so excited, Maggie, that you've taken the time out of your extremely busy life to talk to us today on the Valley Labor Report. Maggie, thank you so much for your time. Jacob, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. Um, I'm so grateful to be here, um, talking to you this evening about our union campaign that we just went public with right before Christmas. Yes. Yeah. That was a great Christmas present for me anyway. I, (laughs) I'm so, so glad to hear um, it. Do what? I said I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. to it, see. It was all for me, right? The, I mean, the the reason that you, uh, you know, <laughs> the reason that 100%. you were forming a union there is because is because you wanted to make me happy. Absolutely, to be here on the Valley Labor Report, you already know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So Maggie, uh, you are a barista at the uh, at the Knoxville location that is unionizing. Um, what were the first things you mentioned when we talked yesterday that you've been working there for like two and a half years or something? What was the when when was the first time that you thought that oh like I should do a union about this? 
Well, I'll be honest. It was shortly after I heard about the Buffalo campaign. Um, I heard, you know, about the issues they were advocating for and what um, really solidified their campaign together as far as unionizing. And it just really resonated with me. I instantly empathized with everything they were discussing from short staffing to product shortages to the pandemic and everything in between. I mean, it's just really hard when you hear those things laid out for you to ignore it. I mean, once you hear things like that, especially being the type of human being I am, you know, I feel that it's necessary to advocate for these beautiful human beings that I have the pleasure of working with. So that's, so the, your first, the first time that you like thought about it was, was it kind of like a light bulb moment? Like, oh, like, I, you know, because you mentioned that, that there have been problems, you know, I mean, since you've been working there, obviously you work in the service sector. I mean, what service sector employee doesn't have like a laundry list of complaints? But before the union election at Buffalo, like what what was your attitude towards those towards those issues that, that you had in your workplace? I'll be honest, I was almost um, withdrawn in that aspect because it just becomes, your opinion becomes so small after the time that I've spent working there and giving advice and saying, you know, maybe if we put this there, it may flow better when we're in peak operating times, you know, things like that. Saying that enough times and having that ignored consistently because someone else feels like it should be done better who is not on the floor working every day, you know, that kind of for me is what really sparked it as well is just the lack of recognition of partners under, you know, our store manager and corporate levels, not ever being listened to or respected in that sense. Right, right. Yeah, That's something that, that I find talking to service workers. I, I was a service worker, um, as, as a lot of people that listen to the show know, I worked in a restaurant for three and a half, for, or three, three and a half years. And that attitude of kind of complacency of, maybe complacency isn't the right word, but just like not feeling undervalued and, and almost kind of feeling like that is the attitude that you ought to take to yourself. You know, like, oh, management undervalues me. I guess that means I'm not valuable. Absolutely. And it's it's very disheartening to see that, more importantly, to see that feeling ignite in someone else that you care for. Because obviously, you know, for ourselves, we typically push things to the side or, you know, we'll deal with more things that, you know, when it's our, ourselves. But when you blatantly see it happening to other people and you see people getting bullied out the door, essentially, you know, that kind of ignites that that fume as well to just completely take charge on this aspect and advocate for these lovely human beings. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way that you're going to um, that we're going to fix things uh, in this society, because like, like I said, as uh, you know, as we've seen, politicians have have been. Uh, extremely reticent to co- <laughs> to come to our aid, as I just mentioned. Uh, the OSHA department is rescinding some of their uh, temporary safety protocols in the largest, you know. So, like, we have to protect ourselves, and and that's what y'all are doing there. Can you talk about 
some what are some of the issues that y'all faced um that when this light bulb moment went off uh, like like when you had that light bulb moment what were the things that like okay i want like i want to fix like this is a problem that i've had for a long time i know that it needs to be fixed and i believe now that like i can actually fix it what were some of those things that you've had to deal with as a barista at starbucks Absolutely. Um, you know, throughout the pandemic, that obviously exacerbated, you know, health and safety concerns on the floor. You know, there was multiple times where certain protocols weren't necessarily met to the best of our ability. Um, and also anything from wages to benefits to safety to training. I mean, adequate training at our store is a huge issue right now, especially um, scheduling honestly due process in the workplace and not just having all of your, um, you, you know, your reprimands or, or your, your disciplinary actions only happening to you at a certain level and not happening to offenders at a higher level than you. Um, think just accountability on all levels for all parties involved and a true partnership is what we're, we're advocating for. Right, right. Yeah, that, the, you know, the, and this is a good, you know, Starbucks likes to have this progressive face, right? Um, and, and, and Howard Schultz, I, I think he, the, the founder of Starbucks, former CEO, um, he, you know, ran for president, ran as a Democrat, and he was actually Hillary Clinton's top pick to be uh, the labor secretary had she won. I mean, man, that would have been great, right? Uh, so, they like to have this progressive, you know, oh, I care about, I care about my partners um, kind of mentality, uh, or, or that's, that's the way that they like to face publicly, but that's not really what you've seen uh, on the inside. Absolutely not. Um, you know, at, at every moment, you know, it's kind of crazy. You can't claim to be a progressive company and then engage in all these union busting antics following that when your workers are advocating for their rights as humans and as baristas and quote unquote partners. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's honestly, they have infiltrated my store instantaneously and all of a sudden began, you know, doing things we've never seen them do before. Things like taking out trash, things like doing dishes, you know, (laughs) things that have been broken are suddenly miraculously able to be fixed in a week's time. Whereas, you know, these issues have been happening for well over six months and they were never addressed until we went public with our campaign. So it's, it is kind of funny to see them try to maintain this progressive face in, you know, in society. But when it comes to the baristas that put, you know, work tirelessly day in and day out to quote unquote, make the moment right for every customer who comes through, you know, we don't really have that ability right now. And they don't, doesn't seem like they want us to. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, the, we've seen places, um, that like to be, uh, uh, progressive facing, do some of the same things that you're seeing at Starbucks. Uh, even even places that that like to portray themselves as radical. I mean, you know, there there are so you know, no evil foods is like this this like socialist vegan 
uh, meat substitute company, um, and <laughs> and they union like they uh, replaced an entire department and contracted it out because they tried to unionize. And they were talking about how like oh unions are like sexist and racist and all of these things. And uh, there there's this environmental nonprofit in West Virginia that they attempted to unionize with uh, with the industrial workers of the world, with the IWW, which which actually the IWW had a Starbucks campaign um, about a decade ago that, that uh, saw a, a good amount of success. And um, they, <laughs> they just literally shut down the nonprofit. And so, you know, like a boss is a boss is a boss. And uh, they're going to be, no matter what they, are, you know, no matter what they say uh, about their progressive ideals you know the way that you're gonna uh tell them is uh you'll know them by their works as the bible says <laughs> and you know so many bosses they have the same works and it, it's all anti-union it's anti-worker it's not progressive um it, it's none of these things that they want to that they want to pretend that they are and um but you know this isn't uh this isn't like a non-profit environmental thing where where people are doing you know this is like a business and y'all are making starbucks a lot of money i mean uh <laughs> can you talk about like how much business y'all see in a day that y'all actually like the money that you make for starbucks in a, in a normal day well i can't i'm not a shift supervisor so i don't necessarily see mm. the sales behind the scenes but from what i was told we are the second biggest starbucks in our district um, compared wow. to, you know, there's a one in, there's one in the university that's like right by the university. And that one is, I believe the only one above us in sales. Um, we're right off the interstate. So we get a lot of traffic going towards like Asheville and North Carolina, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we get, we're right there off the interstate. So we get a significant portion of traveling traffic. And from what I've heard, we're upwards of like a $5 million a year type store. So Ooh. Wow. And we've been in operation for 16 years. And, um, you know, the, the people that have been in charge have been in place since the, this store opened its doors. So it's, mm. it's, a, it's a lot of the original establishment, you know, management that's right, still in right. place today. And so the management that you've had at your store, you know, you mentioned some of the react. Like, it, 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 is there anything uh, uh, more to their reaction to the campaign other than, you know, like they've been being a little bit nicer? Um, we, we've been seeing them a lot more frequently, which is, you know, whereas before we would see them maybe once every two to three months, just a pop in a, Hey, hi, how are you? You know, mm -hmm. now we're seeing them multiple times a week on the floor, picking, you know, picking up things, working on the bar with baristas, hammering them for drink recipes as they're trying to keep up with the busyness of peak. Um, you know, so we've seen a lot of that and we've seen quite a few, you know, support messages posted in our back room that have all of the numbers for our direct superiors up to our regional vice president, which is something we've never had access to before. Um, and they've also utilized their emergency email services to be able to email our personal accounts to let us know, you know, that they're not anti-union, but they do believe wow. that we have a better relationship, partner to partner, and things like that. Very similar to the wow. things that are going on in Buffalo. They're using their emergency alert system to send you anti-union messages? Absolutely. And they've That's even done that insane. with 
text messages in Buffalo, they haven't quite reached that point with us. But um, I do expect that as we get closer to our vote, things will ramp up. Wow. 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 That's crazy. That That's in, I, I would expect like te- text messages, but to use your emergency protocols to send anti-union messages, that is, that's like pretty pretty slimy. So what about the the reaction from workers on the floor? Like how have, um, you know, uh, how how has the store been taking it? Uh, you know, how, how have the workers responded to, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that that you first, ca- you know, you first kind of decided, okay, I'm, go- I'm going to unionize when you heard the uh, the Buffalo news. I'm assuming that this was kind of a pretty similar sentiment across the the store? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it was not, it was not a difficult task. Once I realized, I guess that all of my team was actually paying attention. I'm sorry to hear my dog in the background. Um, but my team was paying attention and, you know, they were aware of what was going on and they said, you know, this is something I'm interested in. And I'd been keeping up with it from the beginning. So once I realized that we had enough interest and support in our store, we started signing cards. And three days later we had an astronomical amount of support. I mean, it would be, it would be a shock at this point for us to not secure it. But I mean, obviously nothing is final until the final cookie crumbles. So. Right. Right. Of course. Of course. And, and so the, uh, um, that's awesome that, 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 that it's come together so quickly. Can you talk to us about, um, workers United, their support, for your campaign, you know, you mentioned that they've been really good to like uh, send you supplies, um, give you directions. Uh, you mentioned that they have already given you anti-union bingo cards in preparation for the listener sessions. Like that's so cool. How, ha- how really, have they been to work with? Oh, it's been amazing. I, it's been absolutely monumental for us to have their support and their ability. Uh, the ability to just be able to share all this information with my partners ahead of time to be prepared because fortunately Starbucks is not being as strategic as they could be in handcrafting these messages store to store. It's a lot of the same regurgitated information. So they've done a really great job with taking us under their wing and ensuring that we're prepared for any obstacle that could come our way, um, which has really allowed me to make my baristas more comfortable, my team more comfortable facing you know these corporate managers who are only there to intimidate them and potentially get them to negate themselves for the company right right you mentioned that that some of the things that the that talking to the union and and the workers in buffalo like it's been basically exactly you know they, they have exactly almost word for word predicted what management was gonna tell you what was that like See, I mean, for for yourself and for other workers, like knowing that, oh, like these people know what they're doing. The boss is predictable. They're going to do this. And, and, and like, it's all lies. Like how, how did it feel hearing the, uh, what the union was telling you be validated in, in real time and in person? Oh, it was, it was amazing because it made me realize genuinely that, you know, we are, fighting a winning battle it made me realize that these people are predictable they only have one path to you know try to convince us and that's simply not happening um so it it has been absolutely pivotal in this process to be able to get ahead of what they're doing and also garner 
you know, trust in the process for the union, because down here in the South, you know, there's really just not as much communication and education revolving unions. And Mm -hmm. so that was a huge part of this process for us. Right, right. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that y'all are all learning like, you know, uh, uh, 99 to nothing, a whole whole lot of new information coming at you, I'm sure. What has it been like talking to the the Starbucks workers at other uh, locations that are unionizing and that have unionized, like you mentioned that you've spoken to some of the workers in Buffalo. What have they been saying to you about like how they're feeling pre and post election and, and everything that, that they've been going through? Well, most importantly, they've given me um, absolute just support throughout this entire process and guidance when I needed it most. Um, you know, we are all partners together. No matter where your geographical location is, we all work for Starbucks and we're all partners in this together. So fortunately, it is so nice to be able to have, you know, these partners who have been here for so long who can help put two and two together and really help us get through this campaign and and fight some of the biggest anti or anti-union tactics we've seen in 2022. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as we wrap up here on the radio, we're going to continue talking to Maggie if you're listening to us online. Um, If you are listening to us in Muscle Shoals and you want to hear the rest of our conversation, you can find us on YouTube at The Valley Labor Report, or you can listen to our podcast when it comes out later this week. We're going to continue talking to her after we go off of the radio. But uh, to close out, um, there are probably, I would hazard a guess, that there's probably a Starbucks worker listening to us um, that is wondering, okay, like, this sounds good. What what are the next steps? Who do they need to get in contact with if they wanted to begin an organizing campaign at their store? Absolutely. So a great tool is to get on Facebook or Twitter and reach out to Starbucks Workers United Um, They do respond very quickly to any messages. I also have my personal Twitter account. It's actually StormCarter23, all one phrase. You can reach out to me anytime. I will be of any support that I can be. Um, So, yeah, those are great places to reach out. And the email for Starbucks Workers United is also attached to the Twitter account. So, Awesome. That's fantastic. So, folks, you heard her uh, reach out to Starbucks United on Facebook, Starbucks Workers United on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can reach out to her personally on Twitter at StormCarter23, all one word, on Twitter uh, if you are a Southern or if you're any uh, Starbucks barista and you have questions about the process going forward, you can do that. Uh, Thank you. Muscle Shoals for tuning in to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. You've been listening to me talk with Maggie Carter, a barista at the Starbucks location in Knoxville, Tennessee, that is unionizing. Uh, And like I said, if you want to hear the rest of the conversation, you can find us online, and we will see you next week. And for the rest of you, you you're seeing us now. You're still seeing us, and we're still talking to Maggie. Isn't that crazy? So um, thanks for sticking around, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, So Maggie, you know, um, I wanted to talk some about some of your personal um, 
like some of your personal relationship to unions. You know, you mentioned that 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 education about unions and and organized labor in the South is extremely sparse, and I uh, I could not agree more. I when I graduated high school, I couldn't have told you with any kind of coherence like what a union is what a union uh what a union does why it's good um or even why why some people think think it's bad i you know i just didn't know anything about them basically so what what is your personal relationship to unions and the labor movement you know um like did you have parents that were in unions or uh, you know just talk about that for a bit I'll be honest with you. I was like you. I mean, I didn't really have any type of union conversations with my family members until recently, which is wild. But my dad has actually worked for and been employed by GM for the duration, pretty much the entirety of my uh, life since I was about five years old. So he has actually always been a part of the UAW. So this actually did bring along a quite interesting conversation for us um, pertaining to unions because he is not necessarily on the same side as I am regarding them. <laughs> oh, no. His position is a bit negative then? Yeah, and I think it's because there's a difference in, in the size of the unions and, and how it affects mm. each differently. So I still would, and when he told me what, you know, the UAW was and things about it, you know, me being right. a little left-leaning, I was able to kind of poke holes and see that that's really just his... Uh, more modest upbringing, I guess you could say, more in the mm. middle, you know. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, I mean, the uh, uh, on on the show, you know, we are. I, I I made a joke earlier that I that I'm kind of a union partisan, and I am, um, because I think that's the right position. But I'm not like stupid. I understand that <laughs> unions are are they're human institutions, and and as such, you know, they're going to have flaws, and they're going to have flawed iterations, and and um. You know, I, I think that there are things that some unions can do better, like the UAW. And uh, one of the things that I have been really heartened to see out of the UAW specifically is that they have a really vibrant reform movement, um, Unite All Workers for Democracy, UAWD. They actually won recently a referendum to elect their top leadership by uh, uh by direct vote, by uh, direct ballot, one member, one vote. Uh, previously, they were elected by delegates, and that allowed the kind of establishment uh, administration caucus to rule over the UAW for decades and decades and allowed them to get really close to the bosses, and there was a lot of corruption. Uh, multiple, uh, <laughs> multiple people in the International Executive Board have gone to jail because of their corruption, Um and you know that's not that like I said that's not something that we shy away from and uh you know people that do that people that take dues money you know should absolutely be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law they shouldn't do that but even where there are these kind of flaws and flawed iterations of unions um that is still better than not having a union at all you know i mean like think about you know, I, I'm sure that your dad working, and, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know your dad, but I'm sure that he would rather work at GM than, say, like, a Hyundai plant, right? I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. And the, reason, yeah, and the reason for that is the UAW. You know, I mean, for all its flaws, he's making, you know, I don't know, $30, $40, $50 an hour, something like that. And people at Hyundai, <clears throat> people at the Toyota Mazda plant here in Huntsville, they're going to start off making, like, 
$15 an hour, like $12 an hour or something like that. That's crazy. And, you know, that's like, so for all its flaws, the UAW has done a lot of good for people. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And, and as we discussed it further, I could kind of see that. I mean, like you said, it, it's natural for any entity to have flaws in a sense. So that was kind of the direction I took it as well. But after after our conversation, I did say, well, I do think that the UAW is more vital than you necessarily realize at this point. But, you know, that's OK. And we kind of left the conversation there. <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> so, but but he didn't really talk about it with you when you were growing up at all? <clears throat> no, definitely not. I, I had no, little to no knowledge up until this experience. And I've gone from little to no knowledge to organizing an entire campaign. So I'd say that's pretty amazing for a short amount of time. But, you know, just, I would say it's so. been a lot of work. It has been a lot of work behind the scenes. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I I would say so. That's <laughs> that that's definitely a really big progression. Not knowing uh, not knowing much about um, <laughs> about unions to leading a campaign at your store, but that's really cool. Um, and and so what about you? Uh, what about you personally? You mentioned to me yesterday that you're in college. Um, and and so talk about that and, and some of like how you see this campaign. Um in in your uh kind of life trajectory absolutely so yeah i actually just received my associate's degree in general studies and i'm moving on to the university of tennessee um studying a broadcast journalism is what i'm loving um that's what i'm feeling like is going to be what i settle down on and um this has actually sparked a huge interest for me that i didn't necessarily realize that i had in the workforce and labor reporting um as far mm -hmm. as you know that is concerned and just many other interests has opened up for me through this process because I really intended to go in this lane of covering sports professionally. But now this has kind of opened up more doors for me and made me want to maybe get into some more serious topics instead of just, you know, fun and games. That's awesome. That's really cool. That That is such a similar story. I don't know if you know of Kim Kelly. Um, she is a labor reporter, and she started out. She was for years a um, a music reporter. Uh, she reported on music for for a long time for NPR and all this, and and for Vice. And she got involved, uh, like you, in a union campaign at Vice, and that kind of sparked her interest in labor journalism. And so that's what she's been doing for the last several years. And and she's been uh, one of the only people reporting on the coal miner strike here in Alabama. Uh, she paid a lot of attention before anybody else did to the Amazon campaign here in Alabama. Um, she is a, a great friend of labor and a really good reporter, really good journalist, really good writer. Um, so I, I think that you would like her if if you checked out her work. But that that's awesome um, that you've got, that this has kind of sparked your interest in, in something more interesting although like you know sports is or, or something maybe i don't know maybe more important but sports is fun people should have you know and people deserve to have fun so that I'm, i don't want to discount that either <laughs> <laughs> absolutely thank you yeah i'll definitely have to look him up yeah uh, uh definitely so um broadcast journalism and uh you're going for a uh, bachelor there you've got your associate's degree how did you start working at starbucks I actually started, um, it was a year, it was after, 
yeah, it was after my first semester of college, actually. Um, and I was like, well, this seems like a good, because I'm a single mother also. So um, benefits are obviously something that I need from a position. And it's not very often that you find a company that offers part-time benefits. Um, and it's kind of funny, looking back, I kind of see those a little bit differently now after working for Starbucks for a little over two years. But um, it, 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 I'm very grateful for the benefits that they offer me as a part-time worker. So that was what really attracted me to Starbucks, really, honestly. Right, right. Yeah, and just because, you know, there are things that you'd like to change, that doesn't mean that there aren't some things that are good. Uh, you know, one of the things that that I've said to people that, that have been kind of hesitant about campaigns in their workplaces is that, you know, um, the things that you like can be taken away at any time without any notice um, for no reason or for any reason at all if you don't have a union contract in place. And uh, so th through unionizing and bargaining a contract, you can set in place, set in stone, um, in black and white in a contract, the things that you like, and you can try to improve on the things that you don't like. And so you can kind of get the best of both worlds there. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're trying to do. I mean, it's, I just went blank. I had a whole thing that I was going to say that don't you love when that happens, but uh, yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the things leading up to this that really resonated with me and, and made me want to, um, you know, embark on this journey with the campaign is just, um, I'm sorry, what you just said was about, can you just repeat the last second and maybe that'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was talking about how, uh, you know, through unionizing, you can actually, uh, you can set in stone in black and white in a contract, the things that you like, and you can improve on the things that you don't. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't some things about the workplace that are good. It just means that you want to actually have that security about, uh, you know, about the things that you do like. That was perfect. Thank you. You exactly reminded me of what I wanted to bring up. So the pandemic actually really exacerbated those feelings for us personally in my store, hmm. um, because Starbucks did offer additional benefits that were only localized to partners who who opted into working during the the heightened level of, I guess, unknown surrounding COVID when it first hit back in 2019. Um, but what, what, 2020, what, I'm so lost. But they gave us right. an option to stay working or to go home and receive a paid leave. And for those who opted mm. to stay working on the floor, they received an instant $3 pay raise that only lasted mm. for those two months that you worked. So as soon as mm. people started coming back, the people who worked when it was so unknown and, and put themselves at risk for this company, that was instantly taken back away from them. Um, wow. And so that really showed a lot of us how star how easily starbucks could you know process changes like that mm -hmm. and how easily they could take them away and the same goes for our free coffee and food markout or not coffee markout but our we had a free drink and food item markout that we could receive mm -hmm. any day whether you were working or whether you're not and they have mm -hmm. taken that away too as a result of i guess this next phase of moving out of the pandemic although i don't wow. really ever feel like we've moved out of it you know yeah that's crazy i i remember going back and forth on free food or not free food 
all the time at my workplace. And it was one of, and it's funny because like we were treated like crap by customers and by management and we had terrible hours and we had terrible pay. But one of the things that made people most mad was when management would try to tell us that we can't have a free meal or, or worst, the worst thing that I can remember them doing is they literally wanted to charge us for Coke. (laughs) like from the like they wanted to charge us for drinking fountain drinks i mean like i did the numbers for the store i didn't i was an assistant manager i didn't have any like higher firepowers or anything like that um they basically just gave me that title uh so that i could close up at night and i did the groceries i did the numbers like the the amount that it costs the company (laughs) for a worker to have a cup of dr pepper is negligible it's like five cents you know and and they wanted to charge us a dollar for it i mean it was just it made people so mad and nobody did it everybody just drank it anyway but it was very frustrating that that time that they were trying to make us pay for it well and that's that's similar to what we deal with because you know we as baristas we know what the waste level is in our store we are very aware Mm -hmm. of it you know we are constantly the ones throwing food away throwing coffee away or pouring coffee down the drain pouring milk down the drain i mean there is so many situations where we you know remake things for customers and we pour it out we do it like four different times but a simple, you know, me being off work and wanting an iced coffee, I shouldn't have to pay four dollars right. for an iced coffee as someone who works here consistently, you know. Yeah, that's just that's that's and so it's, crazy. And it's, it's like not the even smallest like, thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's not even like I'm owed this or anything like that. You know, it's more so like you gave it. You know, you gave this benefit, and it was such a small effect on your bottom line, such a minuscule mm-hmm. thing to do, but it meant so much to us to be able to do that. You know, and then for them to take that away, it just really show sh- sh- or um, really showed that they could do that at any point in time, and we have no say in anything. Right. Yeah, and that that's that's exactly right. Um, and it's very, very, very frustrating as a you know as a service worker, as somebody who worked in the restaurant in that kind of precarious place, uh, to have just those little kind of amenities taken from you like for no reason, um, and especially when you know that it, it costs basically nothing to the company. Um, you mentioned that you're a single mother. How is your kid, uh, how's your kid taking this? You know, does, does he know, um, much about what's going on? Like what, what does he think about all of it? He loves this. He loves that, (laughs) you know, every time we walk into, you know, my Starbucks, he, he has grown up kind of around Starbucks because I've worked there for almost three years now, but um, he loves seeing all of our partners and everyone that we work with flocking to us when we walk in the door. Cause it's always a very warm welcome. And, you know, it's really funny how they pick up on what you have going on when you're having conversations around your child. So of course, anytime, you know, Starbucks comes up, he's like, yeah, Starbucks workers united, you know, let's go. It's time to unionize. It's really funny. The stuff that kids pick up in passing. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, Maggie, is there anything that you wanted to make sure that you mentioned before we, uh, let you go tonight? 
Well, of course, it's always imperative that we mention that Starbucks is engaging in, you know, union busting and they are not collectively sitting at the table to bargain with us in recognizing the fair election principles that have been put forth in 11 and counting stores. I I believe the total Mm. is up beyond that now at this point. So, you know, really all I can say is that we're asking Starbucks to negotiate with us. And we're hoping that they're going to do so in good faith. So it's always imperative to bring up, you know, that they have not engaged in that so far in the stores and recognize the union that has formed and recognizing these campaigns that are forming. It just would be really great to hear that those fair election principles were recognized and adhered to. Right. And they're, and I, I've read the principles and they're not like crazy. <laughs> you know? Not mean, at some, all. Some, yeah, it, it's totally reasonable things that you would do if you were actually interested in treating your workers like partners. Um, yeah, and and so uh, uh, somebody in our chat in YouTube was asking if there's anything that people can do to help. Absolutely. So anything, the best way for you to help is if you are, you know, local to Knoxville, you know, coming by the drive-through, take up space for a minute you know, throw a nice little tip in the jar for the baristas working that are under extra pressure right now because they are they are intense at our store and it is very difficult to work in that that sort of environment. And another mm-hmm. thing that you can do is you can call Starbucks themselves directly, call their customer care line and let them know that you won't be entering any Starbucks that they refuse to, you know, any Starbucks that is unionizing that they refuse to acknowledge or bargain with you know that would be really powerful for if we all took a stand collectively right right and what is the uh store number in knoxville that y'all are organizing with yeah so my store is store number 9780 it is located on merchant merchant drive in north knoxville 9780 merchant drive in north knoxville Call the customer care line. Tell them that you support uh, the Starbucks workers. Go by an organizing Starbucks and uh, t- let them know that you support them. Give them a good tip. And uh, and finally, one last time, if there's somebody that's uh, just jumped in, if you're a Starbucks worker and you're wanting to organize, um, who should they reach out to? Absolutely. So you can reach out to me at StormCarter23 on Twitter, and you can also reach out to Starbucks Workers United on both Twitter and Facebook. They're really responsive to messages, and uh, they get back to you within hours. I mean, I've, that's how I reached out to them. And there's also StarbucksWorkersUnited at gmail.com. It's just SBWorkersUnited at, at gmail.com. That is the email for the union directly. SBWorkersUnited at gmail.com. Maggie, thank you so much for talking to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Jacob. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, This has been the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. We just finished a fantastic conversation with Maggie Carter, a barista at the Knoxville Starbucks location that is the latest in the organizing wave at Starbucks and the first in the South, 
We love to see it. Uh, so we appreciate your time here tonight, folks. Make sure that you are following the show on Facebook and Twitter. If you like the show, you think we do a good job, you can support us, uh, become a sustaining member. The single largest source of revenue that we have is our listeners. You can go to unionly.io slash o slash TVLR to become a sustaining member and donate to our fundraiser today. This has been the Valley Labor Report. Thank you so much. And we will see you on Saturday when we are talking to the national president of AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees, about the top 10 wins that AFGE saw in 2021. Until then, see you next time.